Good evening, good evening. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Strickland, not Pastor Ralph Marlowe, and I'm here teaching Refresh Bible Study tonight, and I am super, super excited about it. I want to welcome you to Refresh Bible Study. I want to remind you that you can absolutely listen to Bible Study while you mix up your cakes, make your dressing, uh, peel your potatoes, or whatever you're doing, because you can still hear the word in every situation. And so I'm super excited to have you here, and I want to ask you to do some social media media outreach. I want you to share on your story, share on your page. And then if you don't see some of our champions here tonight, I want you to tag them and say, come to Bible study, come to Bible study. If you're a first time visitor, let us welcome you. Say hello to us so that our say hello so that our um, um, virtual greeters can say hello back to you. We're glad to have you. We thank you for joining us today. And we encourage you to plug in and to get something out of the word that will absolutely change your life. Um, on December 9th and 10th, we're having the fire experience, which will finish up December the 11th with the huddle. Everybody say the huddle. Yes, it'll be our last huddle, which is our live service um, in um, in Fayetteville, Arkansas. It'll be our last huddle for 2022. And we're so excited about all of the people that are making their way to be here. We just want to tell you that we think we have the absolute most amazing partners. You guys are amazing. And I just want you to give yourselves a hand tonight. We thank you for being committed to God, committed to your spiritual growth, committed to this ministry, committed to doing the work that God has called us to do. And listen, you know, Pastor Edwin just announced on Sunday that Sunday that on next Tuesday, the 29th, I believe it is giving Tuesday. And we set a goal to raise $10,000 for our second chance scholarship. As many of you know, praise the Lord, we raised $150,000 for our regular scholarships, which is our scholarships that apply to people who are graduating from high school. Um, and then we have some, we have a scholarship, the James A. Young Memorial Scholarship that we, goes to people who aren't partners or fellowship champions. But it was in Pastor Edwin's heart, I believe, by the Spirit of God to do something for people who need a second chance people who need a second chance. And so we set a goal to raise $10,000 next Tuesday, next Tuesday on Giving Tuesday. And guys, can we just stop and give God some praise? We already have $10,025. Did you hear me? It's not even Tuesday yet. And because of your generosity, because of your kindness, because you believe in the vision, because you believe that God's desire is to impact people in a various, in a variety of ways, including second chance scholarships, we've already met the goal. But tell your neighbor, say we're not stopping because we champions. We always go over and above, right? And so I'm just so excited because we could only do this because you say yes. You have to say yes. You have to say that even around Thanksgiving and Christmas that you want to be a part of this. We smashed a 10K goal in two days because of you. And I just pray to everyone who has already given that God will cause an acceleration in your life and that you will see Luke 6 and 38 lived out. That the Bible says, if you give, it shall be given unto you good, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. And for those of you who give after this, we believe that'll be on your life too. But I am telling you that God wants all grace to abound to your account. And we release that over you now because our theme is giving for a change giving for a change, and you just made a difference for someone who needs a second chance, who needs a change. And listen, there's going to come a point in your life and you may need a second chance. Your kids may need a second chance. Your grandkids may need a second chance. And you can remember this seed right here. And you can say, I know I can harvest a second chance because I have sown for a second chance. So y'all give God some praise for this. Listen, um, there will be no champion circle this Friday. We're going to enjoy after we finish tonight. We'll be back again on Sunday. Just give you an opportunity to be with your family, to just, you know, sleep in, do whatever, go to breakfast, do whatever it is you want to do. Right. And so, um, listen, I want to get into the teaching. 
Um, at the end, we'll talk to you about the ways that can sow. And then I will talk to you about if you want to be an FOC partner. But I want to get into this teaching because I am so honored to be able to be here tonight and share. And so let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. You are so gracious. You are so kind. You are so good. You are so incredibly faithful. And for this, we give you praise. We just say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are such a good God. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word that instructs and guides us. We thank you for this church and all of its partners and all of its pastors and leaders. Lord, we just thank you for the communities that we live in. We thank you for the jobs that we have. We thank you for the provision. We thank you for warm houses. We thank you for our automobiles. We just thank you that you are good to us. And we bless you and we honor you. Listen, I want to give you one more chance. You need to tag all of your champion partners on here. Put this on your page because I am telling you tonight's teaching is going to be a powerful teaching that is that I hope inspires you to think about really how obedience protects your freedom, protects your victory, and protects your future. So how obedience protects your freedom, protects your victory, and it protects your future. All right. So let's go. You know, it has always been the will of God for us to live days of heaven on earth. You can go back and look at what God did from the beginning when he creates this garden and this garden is filled with lush plants and it's filled with four streams and it's filled with just everything that man would need in order to live a good life. And it, God creates the garden first and the garden is beautiful and the garden is self-sustaining and it has everything that Adam could ever need. And then he creates Adam and he puts Adam in this garden with him and he says to Adam, he says, listen here, you're created in my image and I have empowered you to be fruitful. I have empowered you to multiply. I have empowered you to replenish. I have empowered you to subdue and I have empowered you to have dominion. What he was really saying to Adam is that you see this thing I have created. I have given you the ability to expand this creation. I have given you the everything you need in order to make this garden that I have created in order to cover the entire earth with this kind of goodness, with this kind of provision, with this kind of, of life. Why did he do that? Because God loves us and God has always wanted a family and he has always wanted his kids to look like him. Now I laugh and joke about this all the time because there are many people who are like, um, they call their kids mini me's even though their kids don't look like them. Why? Because they are desperate for something in that kid. So to be able to say, oh, that's your mama, that's your daddy, right? So God expects us to look like him. Now, we all know the story. We know that Adam sinned. We know that it created a big mess. But one of the things I want you to pay attention to is that God already had a plan. Tell your neighbor, say, God always has a plan for your recovery. God already had a plan. In Revelations 3, it tells us the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. What was he saying? He was saying, listen, I'm going to create these people in my image, in my likeness. That means they're going to have the ability to choose. But just in case they don't choose me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a plan for their recovery. And that plan is Jesus. So before Jesus ever gets to Galilee, to Nazareth, um, to Judea and, and goes to the cross, he has already established in the spirit realm in eternity that he will be our solution for the issue of sin that we have so we can get back to living this life God wants us to have, right? Because God always has a plan for our recovery. But before we get to Jesus, what we find out is that God was always interested in bringing a people into the best life they could live even before Jesus had come to the cross. If you look at Deuteronomy, if you look at Numbers, if you look at the Old Testament, if you look at Isaiah, there is this common thing where God is saying, do it my way and you'll live the good life. 
Do it my way and you'll live the good life. Do it my way and you'll be in a land of milk and honey. Do it my way and your enemies will not be able to stand up against you. Do it my way and you won't be sick. Do it my way and you'll prosper in every season. He has always been saying to his kids, turn from doing your own thing and do it my way. Now, one of the reasons I love teaching Bible study and teaching on a Wednesday night like this is because nothing has changed my life more than the word of God. It is one thing to accept Jesus as your personal savior, but that's just the entryway. That's just access into the kingdom of God. Even after you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you are empowered to live right. But do you know what you need then? You need the word of God so that you will know how God wants you to live. You will know what you can have faith for. You will know what your victory should look like. You will know how to overcome storms. And so I just love the word of God because the word of God is a manual for whatever you need to be successful in life. In fact, God says to Joshua, he says, if you meditate on this word day and night, you are going to make your way prosperous. Many people are looking for so many ways to make themselves prosperous. But the Bible says, if you will meditate on this word, think about what I'm telling you. Think about the instructions that I'm giving you, purposing your heart to do them. If you will do that, you will make your way prosperous and have good success. So scripture continuously tells us that God's desire is for us to live days of heaven on earth. But how many know that God has a way that, that has to be done? Because God is holy and God is righteous. He's not going to deny himself. So he says, obedience is your access into all I have for you. Now, I know a lot of people would say faith is your access, but you can't be in faith if you aren't in obedience. Faith is not just words. Faith is not just an emotion. Faith is so being so reliant on God that you will do what he says. And so I want to get into some scripture tonight that I think will really bless you Man, I'm so excited about this. And the first one is Matthew, the 22nd chapter, the 37th through the 40th verse. A very, very familiar passage of scripture. If you just read, we're looking at it out of the passion. But if you just read a couple of verses up, you'll tell you that the, they had gotten together and they wanted to trick Jesus. They were always looking for a way to trick Jesus. And so they asked Jesus, they said, what is the greatest commandment? And he answered them and he said, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart. That's the passion translation. That's good. Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart and with all of your being and with every thought that is within you. That is the great and supreme commandment. Can we just read that again? That's so good to me. He says, when they asked Jesus, Jesus, what matters most? He says, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart. So then the first self-reflection question tonight is every passion of your heart devoted to loving Jesus. I know you read your Bible, but I'm talking about what about that need, that desire to clap back? Is your passion for clapping back more important to you than pleasing Jesus? Is your passion to eat whatever you want to eat more important than pleasing Jesus? Is your passion to sleep with whoever you want to sleep with more important than loving Jesus? He says, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart and with all of the energy of your being and with every thought that that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. There's nothing left. He says, love him with everything that you have. Give him everything that you have. He says, and the second one is like it in importance. You must love your friend in the same way that you love yourself. Contained within these commands, you will find the meaning of the law and the prophets. Basically, what God is saying is that there is a lot of stuff that that automatically gets eliminated from our life when we choose to live from this place. When we choose to live from this place, what does that mean? There are some things I'm not going to do when I'm loving God with all of my being. 
But there's some things I'm not going to do when I'm loving you with all my being. So here's an example. The Bible says fornication is a sin against the body. So if I really love you, I won't ask you to fornicate. I won't put you in a situation to fornicate because I don't want you to sin against your body and I don't want you to sin against God. Understand that if I really decide to love God with all of my being and all of my energy and all of my thoughts, then I don't have time to think ill about you. I look for the good in you because God believes the best, right? Because I have purposed in my heart to do this thing, to love God with everything. So tell your neighbor, say, love God with everything. But guys, this was not the first time that God had said this. This was not the first time that God had said this. So we're going to look in Deuteronomy 6, a couple of scriptures, Deuteronomy 7, a couple of scriptures, and then one verse in Deuteronomy 8. And I just want us to walk through this because God has a plan for our victory. God has a plan for our expansion. God has a plan for us to live the good life, but he also has a way that that works, that love that we love him enough to do it his way and we trust him enough to do it his way. So let's look at Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 7. It says, now this is the instruction, the laws and the precepts which the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land to which you go to possess it, that you may reverently fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son and keep all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, be watchful to do them, that it may be well with you, and that you may increase in exceedingly, as the Lord, the God of thy fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, the only Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your mind and heart and with your entire being and with all of your might. Oops, we see that again. So when Jesus says it in Matthew, it's not the first time it's been said. It says, and these words which I am commanding to you this day shall be first in your own minds and hearts, and then you shall wet them and sharpen them so as to make them penetrate and teach them and diligently and impress them diligently upon the minds and the hearts of your children and shall talk of them, talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way and when you lie and when you rise up. Now let's go back to verse one and let's look at what he's telling us here. It says the instructions Teaching the word is a commandment. He says, I command you to teach the word. Why? So they will know what to do in the land which you go in to possess. Now, we could compare that as being born again. The, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creature, so we're going into a new land. So then someone has to teach you the word so you know the instructions, the laws, and the precepts so you can do them in your new land. Think about it like this. The Bible says in Colossians, we were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. So the teaching of the word is so we know how to live in our new life. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking with me? The teaching of the word is so I know how to live in my new life. I know the instructions. I know the laws. I know the precepts. I know the heart of God so that in this new land, why? So that I can reverently fear the Lord. So that my sons and my grandchildren, and we will keep all of his statutes and his commands. Why? That your days may be prolonged. Now, I really want you guys to stop and think about this, that when God is giving us these instructions, he doesn't say so my ego can be satisfied. He doesn't say so everybody will know that I'm God. He says, do this so your days may be prolonged. One benefit of obedience is that your days may be prolonged. Somebody say amen to that. 
What does it mean? It means that God is going to give us instructions. He's going to tell us to, what to do. And those things are designed to prolong our life. When he gives us commands about how to eat, it's designed to help us prolong our life. When he gives us commands about what kind of relationships to be in, it's designed to prolong our life. So he says, I'm giving you these commands so you will know how to live in your new life. And then it says, here, O Israel, somebody's teaching you, but now you have to be watchful to do them. Now you have to be watchful to do them. Why? So it may be well with you and you may increase in exceedingly. Do y'all see the promises? So the first thing he says is, listen here, I'm giving you instruction because I want to prolong your life. Then he says, I want you to be watchful to do what I'm telling you to do so it will be well with you. How many of you want it to be well with you? How many of you want your life, you want it life to go well for you? He says, then be watchful to do what I'm saying so it will be well with you. And I love it. He doesn't just say be well with you and that you may increase in seating exceedingly. Somebody come on and give the Lord some praise for that. Literally, God says, I'm giving you instruction because I want you to live your best life and your best life is found in obedience. So I'm giving you instruction so it will be well with you. Your life will be prolonged and you will increase exceedingly, not just a little bit of increase, but increase on top of increase on top of increase, increase in wisdom, increase in understanding, increase in character, increase in favor, increase in right living, increase in your finances, increase in your health. That's what God desires for us. I love what April said, my best life is found in obedience. And then it says, it says, you know, verse five, you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind and your heart and with your entire being and with all your might. And then it says, these words I am commanding you to this day shall be first in your own minds and hearts. So I plant it in myself first and then I give it to my children, but plant it, establish it in my own heart. And you shall wet and sharpen them as to make it penetrate and to teach them and to impress upon them diligently. He says it is very important that you impress upon your children diligently how important it is to keep the instructions and the laws of perceptions of God and precepts of God, even if they don't want to hear it, even if they seem to have gone a rebellious way, even if they're living a life that you don't want them to live. He says it is your responsibility to sharpen them and to make them penetrate and to teach them diligently on the mind and hearts of your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Tell your neighbor, that's everywhere you go. Literally, if you keep reading this chapter, he says the word should be on your doorpost. The word should be in between your eyes. Literally, you should be meditating on the word of the Lord everywhere you go. Why? Because you so because you don't so you don't sin against him. So that you don't forget what he's promised you so that you can give it to other people. Right now, let's go to Deuteronomy 7. Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 6. It says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you are entering to possess and has plucked away many nations before you the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Prezerites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And the Lord your God gives them over to you and you smite them and then you must utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them or show mercy to them. You shall not make marriages with them and your daughter shall not give to his, your, your daughter you shall not give to his son, nor shall you take his daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me that they may serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will destroy you quickly. But thus 
you sh thus shall you deal with them. You shall break down their altars and dash into pieces their pillars and hewn out their Asherian, their Asherium, the symbols of the goddess Asherah, and burn their graving images with fire. For you are a holy set apart people to the Lord your God. And the Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people to himself out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. Now you may be thinking, hold on, Pashon, what in the world does this have to do with what you're saying to us? As born again believers, the Bible says we are a chosen generation, a holy nation, a peculiar people. It says God has chosen us and set us apart. He has set us apart and sanctified us. That means we should not live like everybody else. Can y'all put that in the comments? I do not live like everybody else. I do not live like everybody else. But I want you, I want to go back to verse one because I think this is so important. And I want you to think about this paralleling that he's talking to the children of Israel about coming into their promised land. But I want you to think about this, you accepting Jesus and entering into the kingdom of God. And he says, when you, you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of, the, of his dear son, when the Lord, brings you into the land you are entering to possess. You are here to possess the kingdom of God and has plucked away many nations before you. He names them the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. These nations were greater and mightier than you. Now I want to stop and I want to lay this on top of salvation. When God delivered you, from, insert whatever the sin was, lying, gossiping, sexual sin, greed, selfishness, offense, unforgiveness. These things were greater and mightier than you, but God delivered you. Say, I'm delivered. He says, God delivered you. And then he says, and when the Lord gives them over to you, meaning he delivered you through the Lord Jesus Christ. What used to dominate you, you now have the authority to dominate because you're filled with the spirit of God. What, what used to dominate you, you have the authority to do dominate. But I really want to look at this right here. He says, and when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you smite them and you utterly destroy them and you shall make no covenant with them or show mercy to them. Guys, the Lord is saying, if you want to possess everything in this life he has for you, you have to stop making covenant with what you've been delivered from. He says, listen, he says to them, he says, guys, I'm bringing you into this land. These enemies were bigger than you. They were stronger than you. Let me translate it. You weren't going to never stop fornicating. You weren't going to never stop lying. You had tried to quit getting high. You couldn't stop getting high. It was nothing you can do about it. And then somebody say, but Jesus. And then Jesus came in and you were born again. And he says, but now that you are in this land and the Lord has given over to you what used to be over you, there is an appropriate way to respond. You got to kill it and then you got to utterly destroy it. You got to kill it and then you got to utterly destroy it. So I believe that one of the challenges for believers is that a lot of times when believers get born again, they keep covenant with what oppressed them. Is this making sense? Are y'all tracking with me tonight? They keep covenant. So it's like, okay, I'm born again now. I'm going to heaven now. Maybe it was like, oh, you know what? When I, I couldn't stop drinking, but now I'm doing better. So I'm going to get me a little wine every once in a while. They make covenant with the things that God told them to kill. Do you have a covenant with something God told you to kill? Selah. Do you have a covenant with the mindset that God told you to kill? 
Do you have a covenant with rejection? Do you have a covenant with offense? Do you have a covenant with anger? Do you have a covenant with lying? Do you have a covenant with pride? Do you have a covenant with going your own way? He says, destroy them. Pastor Elwin, I love what he says. He says, there is no way for it to be put back to its original form again. And in the 22 years I have been pastoring, I have watched believers over and over again maintain covenant with what God told them to kill. And I have watched believers go from freedom to bondage, to freedom, to bondage, to freedom, to bondage, to freedom, to bondage, and be incredibly frustrated and not realize it's because you have kept what God said kill. Let me tell you something. If you keep what God said kill, it will always come back with the intent to destroy you. Now, I think it's very interesting in the verse, rest of this verse, it says, you shall make no covenant with them and you shall show no mercy to them. Show no mercy to them. Show no mercy to them. That's a, um, I, I put an error in that. It says you shall make you shall make no covenant with them or show mercy to them. Do not show mercy to them. What is showing mercy to something? Can y'all give me some examples of what it would be like in a modern day? Because we don't live in, in that day. What would it be like to show, look at your own life? Where do you show mercy when God has said, kill it? Sometimes it's a person that God has told you should not have access to you anymore. And you say things like, I don't want to be mean. I don't want them to think I think I'm better than they are. But God told you that your connection with them is how you kept ending up in bondage. Maybe it's something like God told you not to drink, but you like it. But the drinking ain't a sin. And I want to tell you this. Drinking is not a sin. But the, if God tells you not to drink, it becomes a sin for you. And many times what will happen for us is that God will tell us not to do something in order to preserve our life. And we will allow, allow our flesh. We will allow our own desires to pull us back because this is what the Bible tells us. We can say we will, we are, we can say, hey, I did this because of peer pressure. I did this because I grew up in the country. I did this because I grew up in the city. I grew, I did this because I grew up in the hood. Whatever you say, but at the end of the day, the Bible says we are all drawn away by the lust of our flesh. Because at the end of the day, we don't let anybody talk us into doing what's not in our flesh to do to begin with. Here's a good example. I use this example all the time. I say a lot of times people say they smoke because they're stressed out. I've been stressed lots of times. I don't smoke. Now, what I will do is eat me some um, some peanut M&Ms, a whole lot of them if I don't put a pause in it. I love, come on, pastor, you should have preached with me tonight. What God has called us away from must become vile to us. The truth of it is, is we don't consider the things God told us not to touch as vile. We don't see them as contaminated. Now y'all, come on, y'all help me preach this thing. Just look at your own life. God told you not to date that person. The Bible told you that you weren't equally yoked. God told you not to take that job, not to move to that city, not to get that car right now. You have to see what God has told you not to touch as vile. You have to see it as contamination. You have to see it as trash. Now, I'm not saying we see people as trash. I'm saying we have to see that when God has told us a relationship is not good for us, then we have to keep the appropriate boundaries up so that we never go back there again. And then if we look at this, what do we need to do? He says, you must smite it and then you must utterly destroy it. Y'all just stop and think about this. What's the difference between smiting it, which means to kill it and utterly destroy it? 
Because I think sometimes people do kill it, but you don't realize that your flesh got to be killed every day. And because you didn't utterly destroy it, has anybody ever had something come back on them because has anybody ever had something come back on them that you know you got free from and you're trying to figure out how it got back on you? I guarantee you, if you look back, you start letting your boundaries down. I guarantee you that whatever God had you doing in the beginning to be free, you thought you had been saved long enough. You thought you had enough mastery and you went from relying on obedience to relying on self-will. You have to keep the boundaries. You have to keep the boundaries. I want you to think about it like this. If you found out there was a rattlesnake in your house, would you let the boundaries down until the rattlesnake was out? You would not let the boundaries down. Why? Because you see, you see the rattlesnake as a danger to you. The problem is many times we don't see what God told us know about as dangerous to us. We think, oh, no, I got that. Oh, I talked to them two or three times and did nothing happen. And you're like, oops, I did it again. I don't know how I ended back up here. Stop and think about this. You know, we used to say all the time that whatever it takes to get free is what it takes to stay free. And the enemy tries to lull you into this pattern. He tries to lull you into this pattern to say, now, Courtney, you've been saved a long time. Now you should be able to manage that. Now, Tina, you ain't just got to do that no more. I mean, you ain't got to have such strong restrictions. And that's why it's called backsliding, because most of us don't jump back into danger. We slide into danger because we don't have appropriate boundaries. Ask your neighbor, say, check your boundaries. Tell your neighbor, say, check your boundaries. Check your boundaries. I wish somebody would be bold enough to be today like, here's a thing God told me to put it back. I've got a boundary up about this, right? Then it says you shall not make marriages with them. Let me tell you something. Whatever you marry, I'm, I don't just mean people. Whatever you marry, whatever you join covenant with is going to influence you. Whatever you join covenant with is going to turn your heart from God. If you join covenant because the only way I can be in covenant with something that's anti-God is for my heart to be turned from God. It's why I say, guys, man, if being with them means you can't sit and listen to the word no more, you already know you shouldn't be with them. If being with them makes you leave the service before people, it's time to get hands laid on. You already know. If in order to be with you, I have to turn down the voice of God, it don't matter how many people say our Facebook page post is cute, no matter how many people like our Instagram, no matter how many people like our cute little house, at the end of the day, when I am joined with something that God, thank you, Holy Ghost, when you continue to be joined with something that God told you not to touch, it is slowly poisoning you. It is slowly poisoning you. And God does not want you to die from poison but certainly not poison you're inflicting on yourself with disobedience. Is this making sense? You shall not have marriages with them. Your daughter shall not, you shall not give your daughter to his son, nor shall you take his daughter for his daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons from me that they may serve other gods. Now, me and Pastor Ed will talk about this all the time amongst ourselves, that at the end of the day, most Americans don't really get polytheism. So you go, oh, I don't serve Baal. Oh, I don't serve um, whatever. But you do serve self-pleasure and you do serve pride. You do serve. Now, they're not they're not things that we would actually sit and call gods. But anything you have to get permission from before you obey God is actually your God. Anything you have to consult before you obey God is actually your God. For they will turn your hearts from following me. 
that they may serve other gods and the anger of God will be kindled against you and he will destroy you quickly. Now, thank God for the mercy, the New Testament grace, the dispensation that we do not get destroyed quickly because Psalms 103 tells us it is long suffering. It is he is long suffering towards us. It says, but thus you shall deal with them and you shall break down their altars. Altars represent a place of worship. Many of us do not realize because of what I was saying earlier, because we're not a polytheistic society. Many of us do not work, understand how many altars we have in our lives. What are altars? The things you bow to, the things you worship to. It says, it says break their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and hew down the, um, their um the symbols of the goddess Asherah and burn their graven images with fire. And when I was talking about this the other night in Inner Circle, we were saying, what could some of those things be? What could some of those things be? It could be the pictures that you keep keeping your phone. It could be the music that you keep listening to. It could be the conversations that you keep entertaining. It could be the story you keep telling about how you were you were hurt and mistreated that won't let you walk in forgiveness. It could be the lie that you keep telling yourself that you don't really like people when God has called you for people. Altars are the things you bow and worship to. What gets you to bow? It says you got to deal with them. Now, God is going to help us. Holy Spirit is going to nudge us. But Holy Spirit is not going to make us tear down the altars. Just like God didn't make them tear down the altars. He says, if you want to live in this land in peace, it's some things you got to tear down. Tell your neighbor, say, if you want to live this life in victory, it's some things you got to tear down. It's some things you have to tear down. It's some conversations you don't have anymore. It's some places you don't go anymore. And I don't know why the newfangled church is so upset with the idea that as believers, we just ought to live like something. But this isn't live like something. So, you know, live like something and don't get anything out of it. This is live like something so your days can be prolonged, so that it can be well with you, and so that you can increase exceedingly. That's a too good to be true deal. Some of you have to tear down the place that your children hold in your heart. You don't just love your children, you idolize your children. You don't just love your parents, you idolize your parents. You don't just love your pastors, you idolize your parents. You don't just love your job and your title and your house and your car and your accomplishments, you idolize them. You think they're your identity. So we got to tear it down. It says, for you are a holy and set apart people to the Lord your God. Say I'm set apart. And the Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people to himself from out of all of the people of the face of the earth. We got one more verse tonight. Deuteronomy 8 and 1. It says, in all of the commandments which I command you this day, you shall be watchful to do that you may live, multiply, go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers. Does that not just sound just like Genesis when he says you're created to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish, to subdue, and to have dominion? Does that not sound just like John 10 and 10? I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He says these commandments are so you may live. Everybody shout live. We almost done. Everybody shout multiply. God wants you to live. He wants you. That means he doesn't want you to just survive. That means he wants you to thrive. He wants you to live. He wants you to multiply. And he wants you to go in and possess this land that has been set apart for you. You have an inheritance. It's your season of great progress. He wants you to prosper in every area of your life. He wants you to be a billboard of his goodness, but he needs your participation. What does he need? He needs you to make a decision. Maybe some of you tonight as you're listening to this, you're like, man, I do love God, but I really got to step up. I got to step up because at the end of the day, I don't love God more than I love clapping back on people. I don't love God more than I love grudge holding. 
I, I don't love God like that, but I want to. I'm choosing to today, man. I'm going to grow up in this thing. I don't know how in the world I'm going to stop dating this person that I've invested so much time in. But you know what? I love God enough to obey him in this area. There may be some of you today that's like, man, I step up my commitment to love God and I demonstrate my love for God. I demonstrate that, the, you know, there's a book called The Five Love Languages. God's love language is obedience. God's love language is obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You may have an area in your life that you've really been struggling with. Just say, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, you know I struggle with anger. You know I struggle with pride. You know I struggle with sexual sin. You know I struggle with grudge holding. You know I struggle with not managing my money well. You know I struggle with the food I eat. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. I make the decision to do everything I can to tear down the altars. And I receive the help of the Holy Spirit to go where I can. To do what I can. Holy Spirit is here to help you tonight. So if you're like, maybe you want to rededicate your life tonight because you realize there's some areas of your life that didn't fit in this. And you're like, no, I don't want to go into Thanksgiving. I don't want to finish this year like this. Man, I want to live, go in, multiply, and possess. And I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit as we prepare to wrap up. Holy Spirit, what are some doors I need to close? What are some doors I need to close? Because, see, we got to practice hearing. Holy Spirit, what are some doors I need to close? It may be a picture of a person that comes up. It may be a picture of a place that comes up. It may be a food that comes up. Holy Spirit, what doors do I need to close? It may be a television show that you need to, to not watch. And if anybody, if you don't mind, if you get something you don't mind, share it. Put it in the comments. The Lord told me to close this door. The Lord told me to close this door. So I'm going to close this door and I'm going to open myself to be led by the spirit. I'm going to close the door to anger and I'm going to open the door to the fruit of the spirit. I'm going to close the door to fornication and I'm going to open the door to self-control, the fruit of the spirit known as self-control. So I just want to pray with you right quick and then we'll do our offering. Um, and you, if you want to be a partner, you can be a partner. But I just want to pray over you because, listen, I do not want you to miss what God desires to do in your life in this season. I do not want you to miss it. I do not want you to let stubbornness. I do not want you to allow a comfort zone. I do not want you to allow what other people have done to you. I don't want you to let anything stop you from what God desires to do in you, through you, and for you. Come on, pastor. The pastor said, I'm closing the door to being easily irritated by non-thinking people. Now, why could that matter? Because there may be moments that God wants you to minister to somebody, but if you have decided that you're already irritated with them, you're like, I don't want to minister to them, or you minister to them with a little salt, little, little stuff in your chest. Who else has something that you're like, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, I, I, I need you to bring this thing to me. Here's an altar that you need to tear down. Here is, here is a place that you need to tear down. You need to close the door. You need to stop giving yourself permission to come back. All right, I'm going to give y'all a couple of seconds. Well, I'm going to pray and then y'all put y'all answers in there and then we'll finish. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. We thank you for this word. We thank you for this instruction, this correction, this reproof that you allow us to be able to hear so we can live the life that you want us to live. You want to prolong our life. You want things to go well with us. You want us to increase exceedingly. You want us to multiply. You want us to possess the land. We thank you that you want it for us even when we don't want it for ourselves. Even when we want it for ourselves and we try to get it another way. We thank you for your patience, your long suffering, your continual willingness to prune, correct and direct. And we say thank you for that. Now we're coming, to, we're coming before you today saying there are areas in our life that according to this scripture, we need to kill, we need to smite. And so we're asking for your wisdom, for specific instructions. How do we create 
This, how do we destroy the things you've told us not to touch? How do we do this? How do we not show mercy to what you have told us not to show? How do we not show mercy when you have told us not to show mercy? How do we close the door? Give us specific instructions. Give us plans. Give us directions. And we will obey you quickly. We thank you that you're so mindful of us, that you never abandon us, that you don't forget about us, and that all your plans for us are good. We thank you that even when you correct us, you correct us because you love us. We bless you and we honor you in Jesus name. Amen. I love that. Cynthia said, I'm closing the door to people who always seem to have an emergency on Wednesday night doing church. That's a distraction. Two things that the enemy will do to people is that when it's time to go to church, he'll make you sick or somebody you love will have an emergency. Courtney says, I'm closing the door to impatience and nonsense. Tara says, I'm closing the door to familiar peer pressure and opening the door to abundant peace and freedom. Oh, a lot of y'all closing the door to being irritated. Good job. Good job. Latanya said, I'm closing the door to fear. Listen, now we got to go and put the work in. What are the boundaries that I need to have in my life? What do I need to do to honor you in this area, God? And so, listen, if you want to give tonight, listen, I know that you want to give to this um, Giving Tuesday. Um, if you go to Giveify, Push, Pay, Tithely, you will see that there is a fund set up that you can give to that. You want to bring your tithes. You want to bring your offering because something super supernatural happens when we give. I told you guys on Sunday that the tithe is how we prove God and seed is how he proves us. I am telling you, God wants you to be blessed. I am telling you, he is already prepared for your provision. I am telling you that he has favor and wisdom and doors for you. I am telling you that he is not withholding any good thing from you, but you got to be like Joshua and Caleb. You got to say, we can take this land and then you got to be like the prophet Elijah and you got to say, I am killing and getting rid of everything in my life that should not be. I'm closing the door to access. I'm closing the door to people who should not be around me. Not that I don't love them, but because I'm choosing to love and honor God with my life. I love you guys so much. Thank y'all for hanging out tonight. If you want to be a virtual, if you want to be a covenant partner, there is a link that they're going to put on the screen. I personally think this is a super dope church. I think this is a church that will cause you to walk in love. If you let us, we'll teach you how to walk in love. We'll teach you how to develop your faith. And this will cause you to have prosperity in every area of life. Now, many of you, you're going to go and be with your family today. And I want you to remember that you're light. I don't want you to walk in there thinking about how somebody already go irritate you and you can't stand to see them coming. I want you to remember that you represent the Lord Jesus. I want you to stare up that light on the inside of you and be loving and kind. And if you find yourself in a situation where it's disrespectful or messy, then I want you to get out. Do not get caught up in old cycles. Do not disrespect and dishonor God trying to go back to something that's familiar. Have a great day tomorrow. Give God lots of praise. Don't eat so much that you make yourself sick. Enjoy Friday morning off. You know, get them Black Friday deals. And then we will see you Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Pastor Chris and Elder Valley will be leading us in praise and worship. I hope that you will join them. And then Pastor Edwin and I will be back teaching. And I think we are still teaching about not limiting God. And if you do this right here, you will break the limits off of God. Happy Thanksgiving. We love you. If this message blessed you, share it with somebody. Share it on your story. Tag somebody and tell them to go back and watch the replay. We love you. Have an amazing evening.